You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Uh, well, we have spent uh, this summer looking uh, at the life of King David. Uh, and there's perhaps no other figure in the Old Testament who receives uh, as much attention uh, as David does. Uh, right? not, not counting the actual stories uh, that, that we have uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, David is mentioned 182 times uh, in the Old Testament. And then he's mentioned another 59 times uh, in the New Testament. Uh, David was a man of many talents. He was a shepherd, a musician, a poet, a warrior, uh, and he was the king by which all Israelite kings uh, would be judged. Uh, David, as we have seen a little bit this summer, wrote over half the book uh, of Psalms. And so in understanding the Old Testament, and really in understanding the Bible as a whole, it's hard to overstate the importance of David. And if you were to summarize who David was uh, in one phrase, it it certainly would be that David was a man after God's own heart, right? That's the phrase that the Bible uses uh, to describe David's life, and and it's been uh, our tagline, and it's been our aim uh, this uh, series, uh, to consider together what it means to be a person after God's own heart. And we've we've truly uncovered some really valuable truths uh, together. Uh, we began this series way back uh, in the month of May, uh, starting in 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, where the Spirit of God uh, came down and anointed David, at the time just a lowly shepherd boy, he anointed David to be the king over Israel. Uh, and we saw that a person after God's own heart uh, is not someone who looks on things as the world sees them, but rather looks with the eyes of God. In the story of David and Goliath, we saw that a, that a person after God's own heart is, is not someone who is the strongest or the most skilled, but rather someone who has kingdom courage. Uh, throughout David's life, uh, we have seen that he was repeatedly under uh, attack. He was repeatedly uh, presented in those moments with this opportunity to, to take matters into his own hands. Uh, but we have seen uh, that a person after God's own heart Uh, is not someone who takes matters into their own hands, but rather trusts in and waits for God's provision. In the story of David and Bathsheba, we saw uh, that a person uh, after God's own heart is not someone who's sinless, right? Uh, But rather someone who is broken over their sin and and repents, uh, who walks in true repentance, Uh, These are just uh, sort of some. They're just a handful of the uh, things that we have learned in the book of Samuel. It's truly been a rich uh, summer together in this great book. And and as we come to the end of our series today, uh, I want us to look at one final takeaway from David's life. Uh, One final thing that David teaches us about what it means uh, to be a person after God's own heart. And and it comes uh, through this great song that David writes in chapter 22. David here uh, in this chapter is coming uh, to the end of his life. And he does what what anybody would do. He looks back and he reflects on things. Uh, What what a person uh, does and and what comes out of them at the end of their life is a pretty good indicator of what that person was all about. And what is it 
that comes out of David here in this chapter? What, what is it that this song is all about? Now, you don't have to go too far to get the answer. J- just look at the opening lines there in verses uh, 2 through 4. And you want to open up and have the text in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up and use one of the uh, black pew Bibles in front of you. I believe it's page 276 of the Old Testament. So what is this song of David all about? What comes out of David? Look at verses two through four. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. Before David can say anything else, he bursts forth in praise to God. It's almost as though David, he just can't contain himself. He can't slow down at all. It's just this rapid fire worship. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. He's my refuge, my shield, my stronghold, the horn of my salvation, my savior. It's time for David to reflect back on his life. And what does he do? He erupts in praise to God. As we come to the end of our series today, looking at this great man of faith, we see what was truly important to David, the glory and exaltation of God. Right? David had a heart that praised God. And you know, I, I truly think, I believe that that is what we all want as well. We want a heart that praises God. But that kind of heart, a heart that praises God, isn't just something we stumble upon. It isn't just something that happens to us. It's something we have to cultivate in our lives. It's something we have to to work on. And so as we look at this song of praise together, I want us to consider three reasons for David's praise. And each one of these reasons is connected to a a specific aspect of God's character. We are going to see David worship God as his deliverer, his refuge, and his provider. His deliverer, his refuge, and his provider. And so let's look at those one at a time uh, and see what, what we can learn together about what it means for us to cultivate uh, a heart of praise. And so the first reason for David's praise comes uh, in uh, verses 5 through t- uh, 20. It's the first movement of this song. And it really uh, gives us, it sets up the, the setting, the context uh, of the song. And I'm not going to read it uh, all for us, but, but just look at verses 5 through 6. You'll, you'll, get the, you'll get the idea here. Verses 5 through 6. And David sings, For the waves of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. David here, he's looking back and he's recalling the times uh, when his life really hung in the balance. And he's he's not exaggerating here. He's not being overly dramatic. We've seen this to be true in David's life. David was repeatedly in distress all throughout his life. And and you'll notice the language that he uses there in verse 5. Waves, torrents. Right, he, he's saying that uh, his life was like this never-ending crash of the sea. And just like that, enemies were relentlessly assaulting David. And their goal, David says, was uh, to kill him. 
Their goal was, was death. Did you notice that theme of death repeated there in those two verses? It, it's in every line there. It says, the waves of death, the torrents of destruction, the cords of Sheol, the snares of death. Right? You get the point. David, is, he's, as he's reflecting and writing here, the, the setting of this song, he, he's not merely in a tight spot, right? And his life was repeatedly at risk. And, and what is it that David did in those situations? What have we seen him do in those situations? Look at verse 7. He says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. What does David say he did? He cried out to God. As we have seen in some of David's psalms this summer, his, his cries to God, they weren't always pretty, were they? And at times, David was, was frustrated, he was angry, he was confused, and, and he made that known to God. But, but what does he do? He, he cries out to God. Even in his anger, even in his confusion, in his distress, he cried out to God. And it's here that we see uh, sort of the first thing uh, that we can learn about cultivating a heart of praise, and that's that cultivating a heart of praise sometimes involves crying out to God. Uh, And what we have seen from David's life is, is that God longs to hear our cries. God longs to hear our cries. Uh, when a baby is born uh, and they take their first breath, like in that delivery room, what is everyone waiting to hear? You're waiting to hear the baby cry out. You're waiting to hear him scream. Why? Right? Because it's, it's signs of life. In moments of distress, David cried out to God. And, and what does he say happened? Right? Verse, says, verse 7 says that God heard his voice. God heard his voice. Don't glance over that. Don't, don't just skip over it and go to the next verse. Right? Those are amazing words. Those are gospel words. God heard David's voice. That's incredible. Throughout David's life, he shows us how it is that God's people fight for faith in the face of hardship. Right? And we fight by crying out to God. And as we see in the rest of this song, David's cries to God are, are, are filled with truths about the character of God. Now, did you notice David's description there in, in verses 8 through 16, some of the imagery that he's using? He, he, he's using this, this really awesome, vivid language. And, and he just goes into describing the arrival of God, of God coming onto the scene. And David envisions God descending from heaven. Riding on a storm. Uh, in verse 14, uh, he uses the language of thunder. He, he says that thunder booms out as God speaks. Uh, in verse 15, he says that lightning flashes forth like arrows from God's bow. Right? David sings that the, the ground quakes and the seas split apart to reveal the earth's uh, foundations underneath. David's speaking metaphorically here. Of course he is. But I think that's sort of the point. The Lord's power has been so magnificent, so unspeakable in David's life that he has to resort to poetry to adequately describe it. And so he says that the Lord rides on the storm. He rips apart the heavens. He descends on a chariot driven by a cherubim. 
Right? He, he slings arrows of lightning and all around him that this awful brightness proclaims the Lord's arrival. Right? This is the God who hears David's voice. But he's not just a God who hears. He's also a God who delivers. Uh, look at verse 17. He's not just a God who hears, he's a God who delivers. Verse 17, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place, he rescued me because he delighted in me. You see, David's not... He's not crushed by this storm-riding God who comes on the scene. Rather, all of the Lord's unspeakable power is unleashed on behalf of David's good. And David just, he can't help but, but sing about it. He erupts in praise to his great God. We may not share in the specifics of David's testimony. We may not share in the specifics of David's story. But we can share in his great confidence in his God who delivers. This rich, vivid imagery, this rich description of God's power is meant to to press home upon our hearts the truth that our God is mighty to save. Our God is an awesome deliverer. So let me ask you, do you know God? Do you know him firsthand as your deliverer? Have you made your cries known to God recently? Have you reflected on his awesome power in your life? Is God's saving grace on your lips as you just go about your day? In all his distress, David knew God as his deliverer and it produced in him a heart of praise. The second reason for David's praise comes in verses 21 Uh, through 31. Uh, And this is uh, really undoubtedly the most difficult section of this song to understand. David says some really crazy things uh, in these verses. I want to point out just a few of them. Uh, In verses 21 and 25, he says that he's righteous and that he has clean hands. Uh, In verse 22, he says that he has kept the ways of the Lord. Uh, In verse 24, he says that he was blameless and sinless. Uh, In verses 26 and 27, he says that he was faithful and pure. Now, after reading the story of David, after reading the full story of David, uh, after uh, really focusing in on the second half of 2 Samuel the the past month or so, how is it that David can say these kinds of things with a straight face? Right? It begs the question for us, uh, how are we supposed to take these verses? What exactly is David saying here in this section? Uh, Let me try and provide some clarification, and let me start with what David is not saying here. Uh, At no point in these verses is David making a claim to sinless perfection, okay? David's not delusional. Uh, uh, The idea that David is trying to communicate here, it's not perfection, in every particular, but rather integrity in the overall direction of one's life. For example, if you look at verse 24, that word blameless that he uses there, the Hebrew word that is translated blameless there, it doesn't connote sinlessness, but rather 
wholeness, uh, completeness, integrity, right? And, and so if you look at verses 21 through 25 with, with this idea of, of wholeness rather than perfection, I, I think that you can more accurately see what David is claiming here. It's sort of like being a, a, a fan of a sports team, right? If you're a fan of a sports team, sorry for those of you that don't like sports, but I think you'll get it. If you're a fan of a sports team, it means that you have wholehearted fandom, wholehearted support, commitment, devotion to one particular team, right? It doesn't mean that you go to all the games. It doesn't mean that you don't get frustrated and angry at times. It doesn't mean that you don't call out some of the players and the coaches when your team is losing, Right? It means that you're, you're singularly devoted. You're, you're committed to one team. Right? You're, you're not switching allegiances uh, when uh, some moment suits you. Right? And, and that's the sense in which David is talking here. He, he's not speaking of perfection, but rather integrity, wholeness, and, and overall direction of commitment and faithfulness to the Lord. Now, you see, David, he hasn't forgotten the previous chapters. He, he hasn't forgotten what happened on the palace rooftop. He hasn't forgotten what he did to Uriah. He, he's, not, he's not overlooking his sin. He's not trying to downplay it. In, in fact, I think that those things, I think his sin is squarely in his mind as he is writing this song. If you look at verse 28, he uses the word humble. He says, you save a humble people. Uh, that word translated humble there uh, is better translated afflicted or needy. Right? David is saying that God saves those that are aware of their great need, th- those that are desperate for God's saving work. And look, that is David. He is, David is desperate for God. He, he's needy. And he brings his need to the Lord. And so, in this way, David can say in verse 24 that he was blameless before God because he knows that being blameless is not about the the nature or the magnitude of our sin. It is about where we run to in our sin. It's about what we take refuge in. And throughout his life, one thing is abundantly clear. You cannot dispute it. David's refuge is was in God. And in his need, David ran to God. Parents, isn't this what we want? Isn't this what we ultimately want for our kids? It's not for them to be perfect. It's not for them to have all their stuff together. It's not for them to not need anyone or anything. It's to be honest. It's to be honest about their needs and to come to us in their need. David was a man who knew his great need. And in his need, he ran to God. David shows us that cultivating a heart of praise involves running to God in our need. It involves crying out to God and it involves running to God in our need. We've seen this to be true in the contrast between these two kings that we have looked at, Saul and David. Both of these men, they sinned greatly against God. The difference was in how they dealt with their sin. 
Uh, you see, uh, Saul turned from God in disobedience. He, he sinned greatly against God. And, and even though God uh, patiently pursued him, uh, for Saul, right, repentance just wasn't worth it. In fact, at the end of his life, uh, Saul was, he was so much in the grip of his sin and in the grip of darkness that, that he chose to consult witchcraft uh, rather than to cast himself uh, on God. In his sin, Saul ran away from God. Because you see, Saul didn't have an ongoing commitment to God. He only had a temporary need for him. But David's life, on the other hand, was defined, wasn't it? By a wholehearted commitment to God. In times of hardship, David ran to God. When given opportunities to take matters into his own hands, what did he do? He, he waited on God. When he sinned greatly, what did he do? He, he confessed it. He repented and he turned back to God. David was blameless because his refuge was in God. And, and just listen to how David sings about God being his refuge. Look, look at verses 29 through 31. David sings, For you are my lamp, O Lord, And my God lightens my darkness, for by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Do you know God firsthand as your refuge? What is it that you take comfort in when when the stresses of life begin to overwhelm you? What do you run to in your moments of need? Have you experienced recently what it is like to repent and to run to God in your sin? David knew God as his refuge, and and it produced in him a heart of praise. David's final reason for praise comes in verses 32 through 51. And in this movement of the song, David He sort of changes course a bit here, and he begins to describe the victories that he has achieved over his enemies. And I think David really intends for this theme of triumph to really ring out, for it to come out loud and clear in this portion of the song. Let me show you just a few of them. Look at verse 38. He says, I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. Or look at uh, verse 43. He says, I beat them fine as dust, uh, fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. It's not not hard to hear uh, David's emphasis here, right? Victory, triumph. David utterly decimated those who opposed him. Sounds pretty boastful, doesn't it? Uh, a lot of you guys know this about me. I like, to, I like to build things. I like to make things with my hands as much as possible. And my middle daughter, Frances, recently, uh, this past week, has been telling everybody that she sees that this is what her daddy does, right? Uh, she's re- really proud of it. So much so that we were going to the store the other day to pick up some soup. Uh, and first thing, before I could say anything, uh, Frances tells the clerk behind the counter, uh, my daddy's a good maker. My daddy's a good maker. And the clerk was just sort of taken aback, and, and uh, she was like, oh, oh, oh yeah? Francis was like, yeah, he's a really good maker, right? Uh, really fun. 
uh, she's boasting in her daddy, and I have to tell you, I don't mind so much. Uh, But what we see uh, in this text, uh, it it, it sounds like David is boasting in himself, right? At first glance, it sounds like David is really full of himself. Uh, But if we keep reading, we're going to see David is singing of his victories here, not to make much of himself, but rather to make much of God. He's boasting in how God provided for him. And so we're going to notice how David points to God's provision in this final movement uh, of the song. First off, David says that his security comes from God. Look at verse 34. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set, and set me secure on the heights. David's situation was, was often precarious, and yet he never fell. Why? Well, he, he says it's because God enabled him to stand firm. David says that his security comes from God. But not only that, David says that his strength and his skill also come from God. Look at verse 35. He says, he trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Uh, A bow of bronze was an extremely powerful weapon, but it it required a great amount of strength in order to draw it back. So not just any man uh, could use it. But through God's provision, uh, David was able to master uh, such a weapon. In other words, David was a well-trained warrior, and he says that both his strength and his skill come from God. David also says that he owes his salvation to God. Look at verse 36. He says, you have given me the shield of your salvation, and your gentleness made me great. When David says salvation here, he's referring to God's protection over him. Time after time, David was protected from harm. And he attributes that solely to God's gracious work uh, in his life. Uh, Like a shield, God guarded him from harm. David's salvation comes from God. And then finally, David's success is all due to God. Verse 37. You gave me a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. Why didn't David fall in battle? Why did he so often find success. He says that it's because God put David's feet in a, in a, f- a wide place. Right? He placed him on solid ground. Right? Do you get the point? Security, strength, skill, salvation, success, all of it has been graciously provided to David by God himself. You see, David, David is boasting in these verses, but, but he's not boasting in himself. David's boast is in the Lord because God has abundantly provided for him all that he needs. You see, David knew God as his provider. He knew that his entire life was a gift uh, from God and it produced in him a heart of praise. And this is the final thing that I want us to note about what it means to cultivate a heart of praise. Cultivating a heart of praise uh, involves a shift in our mindset. It involves viewing everything in your life as a gift. And so be honest. Is this your mindset? Is that your mindset? Or do you fundamentally think that you've earned your spot in life? You might be really smart. You might have worked really, really hard to get where you are. But let me ask you, 
Who gave you your intellect? Who gave you your health along the way? Who sustained you to work really hard? Not you. Not you. You didn't earn those things. They were were given to you. They were gifts of grace from our sovereign God. The God who creates, the God who sustains, the God who provides all things. See, the simple fact that you and I are, are even here together in this room is only by the grace of God. Uh, this truth hit me earlier this summer uh, on June 6th, with, which uh, marked the 75th anniversary uh, of D-Day. Uh, it hit me because my uh, grandfather uh, served with the U.S. Army uh, on that day. Uh, he was a lieutenant uh, in the Army, and he led uh, a group of about 30 men uh, that, that stormed the beaches uh, of Normandy that day. And uh, I was reading uh, on June 6th, I was reading a, a recount of him looking back on that day and just recounting what it was like. And he had written some things down. Uh, and reading that was, was just really sobering. Uh, and two things really struck me. Uh, the first thing that struck me was, uh, was the, just incredible uh, courage and bravery uh, that it took uh, those men uh, to, to storm uh, uh, those beaches. Not, not knowing, he, he talked about uh, just the torture he talked about the, the mental anguish that it required, not knowing uh, what was going to happen, knowing full well that many of them uh, would die. Uh, the other thing that struck me uh, is he was talking about uh, some of his close friends, some of those that were just right next to him uh, that were killed that day. Uh, I was struck by this fact. It is only the grace of God that my grandfather survived that day. It's only the grace of God that we are here today that I am here. God alone is the gracious provider. He is our sovereign God. All that we have, all that we are is due to the watchful hand of God in our lives. And when we come to know God firsthand as provider, it will radically transform our boasting and it will produce in us a heart of praise. David lived a pretty incredible and inspiring life. And at the end of David's life, he he looks back on it all and he says it was all, all of it was the grace of God, grace upon grace. David had a first-hand knowledge of God and we see that on full display in this song that he sings in in 2 Samuel chapter 22. And, And I think that this song points us to one of the most fundamental things that is true of David. Maybe the most fundamental reason for God's blessing on David's life. David was a man after God's own heart because God was on his heart. David's heart was pointed towards God and God's praise was always on David's lips. And so, as we wrap up, what then does it look like for us to point our hearts toward God? I've tried to draw out some applications for us in this song uh, by looking at how we cultivate a heart of praise, right? By crying out to God, by by running to him, by by viewing everything that we have, everything that we are as a gift from God. It's what we see David do in this song and these three things uh, of cultivating a heart of praise, these three things are highly worth imitating. But, we must keep in mind that the entire trajectory of David's life is meant not to point us to himself, but to point us to Jesus. David, 
just like all earthly kings, just like all rulers and leaders, David disappointed, didn't he? But Jesus did not disappoint, nor will he ever. See, the story of David, like all Old Testament stories, is meant to give us not a hero to emulate, but a savior to hope in. And look, Jesus, Jesus is our sinless savior. Jesus is our mighty warrior. Jesus is our righteous king. And so uh, the way that we point our hearts towards God, the way that we cultivate a heart of praise is to look to Jesus. We come to know and experience the full weight of God as our deliverer as we look to the sacrifice, the atoning death of Jesus on our behalf. We come to know and experience uh, the great peace and security of God as our refuge as we look to the power of Christ's resurrection. We come to know and experience the deep, deep joy of God as our provider as we, as we look uh, to the abundant life that is found only in Christ, the newness of life that he offers us in his spirit. Jesus is our deliverance. Jesus is our refuge. Jesus is the perfect provision of God. Don't you see it? In the words of, of the final verse of this song, verse 51, it's through Jesus that God shows his unfailing kindness to David and to all of his descendants forever. And so may Jesus' praise be always on our lips. That's my prayer for us coming out of, of the book of Samuel, thinking about the life of David, that we would be people whose praise points towards Jesus. Let me pray for us. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.